feeling pretty doom and gloom heading into this episode, but a couple hours ago, uh, I think the season turned around with the acquisition of Jasper Weatherby. Best fourth yeah. line center in the game. I'm suddenly feeling way better, and I'm really optimistic about everything. Funny story about Jasper Weatherby. Uh, I went to a Bruins Sharks game last year, and I was there was a Sharks fan sitting behind me, and he would not shut up about Jasper Weatherby being the best fourth line center in the NHL. Would not stop. That's the only reason why I know who he is. <laughs> so uh, yeah, a little fun little trade to start the start right before the pod. But uh, welcome to another episode of the Production Line Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And yeah, we're here to recap uh, what was a very eventful week in Red Wings land uh, and a very mixed bag of results. Uh, I guess it kind of comes with the territory of where they're at. And currently the Red Wings are uh, one game away from not uh, being at 500. So definitely a fall from grace, if you will. I think I saw something that their points percentage since December 12th is like 277. It's I'm no math magi- I'm not I'm no math magician, but it's not great. And it's funny enough when you look at it, like two of those wins are against Winnipeg and Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, does, what does that mean? Apparently nothing. I suppose we can start with those two. Um the Winnipeg game was an absolute like that was a uh barn burner. Yeah. Absolute barn burner. That was fun. I enjoyed it. The first well, the first period I did, and then Winnipeg was like, oh yeah, we're really good. Very sloppy. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprising because like two coaches that like pride themselves in being very defensive minded and also arguably the one of the best goalies in the NHL. And Connor Hellbuck. Yeah. Honestly, he should be a heart candidate this year. If I'm going to be be frank. Winnipeg should, is such a... Should be I want to talk about Winnipeg a little bit. Like they're such a fun team. Honestly, I think they're like they're quite good. I agree. It's just to me, it's so shocking to find not shocking, but it's been many years to come in my opinion to see them being this good yeah just hasn't happened well i mean we talked like i, th- I feel like we always like chat because like i think both the both you and i kind of like look for like secondary teams we're like who are we gonna root for this year and i always had winnipeg like pretty high on my list and teams that like i wanted to root for small market but like the fans always showed up you know what i mean like the whiteout that they used to do in the playoffs was always fun yeah and you look at like all their players. I mean, like you look at Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor, like just very fun players. Mark Shifley, when he is deciding to give a shit a little bit on defense. PLD. PLD's been unreal this year. Kind of a piece of shit, but I mean, whatever. Josh Morrissey this year, too. Josh, Josh Norrissey. Josh Norrissey's yeah, Josh good. Morrissey. I do love that nickname. It's great. Um, But yeah, no, they have a lot of fun. Cole Perfetti. Yeah. I, I remember talking about him when the Red Wings were picking in 2020. And I mean, he looks pretty good playing the top six on a on a good team. He's all right. So that was a big win for the Red Wings, even though I mean, Connor Hellbuck had a bad game. Admittedly, I was happy to see Andrew Kopp get a couple of points against his old team. I mean, that one pass to Berggren. Yeah, that was gross. Sick. Uh, Jake Wallman walked walked the winger on the point there like a dog. And then a little wrist shot. I mean, it wasn't like anything insane on the shot, but like the move itself, the escape move. Which the Red Wings, plain and simple, don't have on their decor. Yeah. Other than Wallman. It's it's been a piece that they've been missing for a very long time. I don't think actually, like, I'm, like, really thinking back on defensemen. Can you think of another defenseman the Red Wings have had that has that ability? Or has to walk had, like that. To, who ha, who has had that ability? Because, like, you even, know. like, Nick Crom, Nick Cromwell was pretty active, but, like, he wasn't, like, sh- super shifty. Not off the top of my head. I can't think of one. Yeah. It's really exciting, honestly. Like Jake uh, Wom- Nick Letty. <laughs> Nick Letty. Okay. Let's preface by saying Nick Letty two weeks before the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Minnesota, Minnesota. Wild, Minnesota Wild game got us Jake Wallman. So yeah. thank you very much. But no, Jake Wallman, in all seriousness, like even like looking at this week as a whole, like he's had a great season. Yeah. I think it was Dom Lecision's model. It could grades him out to be the best defenseman on Detroit right now. He's yeah. been he's been great. And I really like I, I mentioned it kind of last week about like a Jonas Siegenthaler comparison. I'm like looking at that as like a contract extension, like three point five by five. Like you got to try to like I know it's like a weird track record and you kind of like run the risk of like is this like a one time thing. But like even like we, we talked about this like on the weekend, I think you and I how this is like we saw this at the end of the last year. 
It's just he he played in very limited minutes. Yeah, and it's like we forgot about him this offseason because of the oh. injury and the hype around Simon Edmondson that he was kind of just under the rug. Yeah. And that's unfair. It was unfair to him because, quite frankly, he was arguably top two defenseman on the team at the end of the year. Granted, his ice time wasn't like he is right now playing top pairing minutes. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I, he's still not getting the 22 minutes a night. But he's seeing the top lines right now. Where he was, uh, he's, last year. he's no, he's seeing 22 minutes. And I, the past, like, out of the past five games, he's played over 22 minutes four times. Okay. I guess <laughs> he is I'm wrong loading there. up right now. But he just, he looks very good. Yeah. It's weird because, like, it's, it's so rare to see, like, a late bloomer like that. Yeah. I know defenseman, it's more common than, like, a forward, but because, I mean, you look at opportunity and stuff like that and, I don't know. Yeah, it's I also like another reason he would have been forgotten about a little bit last summer is uh the ARB case. Cuz those yep. those two numbers were pretty far apart and like Red Wings were offering like a two-way deal. I know it's like you have to like give a minimum and then like obviously like you settle or whatever, but um yeah, very interesting for him cuz I mean obviously he's going to be UFA heading into the summer. So, I'm curious to see if like the something's ironed out before the end of the year. I would I would expect so, I think. You're going to want to iron that out. I feel mm-hmm. like I think so too, because I think like another team like a like a New Jersey or something who's like pretty like heady in that sense of like up upbeat defenseman. I feel like they would take a swing on him or something like that. Toronto even, yeah. So definitely want to get him away from the market. Um, but yeah, that was fun. And then like the best performance on the week was um, the four one win over Toronto. It was a great Huso game. I was happy to see him. Like I think it was nine seventy. Um, and the one goal he allowed was a weird redirect from uh, it was off Dylan Larkin's stick from Sandine in the corner. So like not uh, again, nothing we can really do on that one. But uh, Lucas Raymond heating up. Yep. Nice to see him shooting the puck a little bit. Like he needs uh he has such a good shot, but he just fails to utilize it too much. And it was a bad turnover by Morgan Riley that Dylan Larkin turned it up ice. Nice little shot there. And then also that uh, the Fabry goal from Bergeron. Whoa, that was a sick pass. Ick. Very ick. Also, Robbie Fabry been super good since he's been since he's come back. I think past couple games he's kind of been meh, but I mean overall I've I've liked his game. Coming off an ACL tear, he's way exceeding expectation. Yeah, yeah. I mean the legs the legs are there. He does not look slowed down. Nope. So, which is all I can really ask for. But yeah, fun cider scored as well, which was uh nice to see him getting rewarded in that sense. I mean, that was five points in two games, not yep. too shabby. Um, and then after that, we were feeling pretty good, and then just like three straight losses rattled off, ugly ones too, all of them for different reasons. I mean, four three loss to Columbus on paper, you're thinking, okay, like bottom feeder team, like just from the score alone. Yeah, it happens. Like, it was probably a close one. They eked it out in whatever, maybe overtime or, like, last minutes, whatever it happens. Now, they're up 4 nothing with, like, in four minutes into the second period. They decided, the Red Wings decided that they, were just, they weren't going to defend Patrick Line whatsoever. Not even a little bit. Um, that was one of the worst efforts of the season. The first, the first 40 minutes. Yeah, when... Especially at home. I know it's a little bit different on the road, but going into a game against a team like that and you're coming off a couple good wins, you've got to just come out and just stomp them. Yep. There's there's no reason that you should go down 4-0 to zero to a team like Columbus when you're coming off of, like, a two-game winning streak against, like, two very good teams this year. Two, I believe, top eight teams. Yeah, exactly. There's just... And granted, like, coming out of the gate, gate losing by, like, two goals, right? You're starting to be like, okay. But to go down four in a game at home against Columbus is ridiculous. It's unacceptable. Yeah. Unacceptable. And, of course, the Red Wings being a third-period team. This game roaring back, 
it made it interesting. Honestly, if they had like 10 more minutes of play, they probably could have tied it. But um, they shouldn't have never gotten to that point. And so yeah. I'm not going to make excuses because uh, I'm done making excuses for this team. They're, they're, sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. Um, really weird Mata goal. And then it kind of just like start things up. The Jake Wallman goal again. The shiftiness from the point and then just him to come in and just rip it. So confident. Yeah, he's okay. He's decent. That shot, decent. Um, I, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but the Arizona game, they clocked one of his shots at like 101. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh my god, yeah, it's it, oh my god, it's hilarious. Um, Lucas Raymond made it four three late. Um, and that gave him honestly that uh, after that he was named in this past or during this week he was named second star of the week. Seven points, three games. I mean, pretty cool to actually yep. get some recognition. And again, he's been a, he was a slow burn to start the year for sure. I thought he was playing fine, but it's just the points weren't coming. And now the points are coming, and then he's basically on pace to be where he was at last year. Which I mean, I, I mean, it's a little bit like I, I, we were a little bit optimistic, I think, with projections. I think I'm at like 65 points, something like that. But again, 58, 58, 59 point season—that's great for a second year player. Yep, you can't really complain. And especially like when you look at the uh, Matt Boldy extension that happened a couple days ago. That's a pretty clear. Uh, that's what uh, Raymond's camps is going to point out and be like, yep, for me. Make it happen, which I mean, yeah. honestly, it's a pretty fair ask. And with how the league's going, I think it's a risk you should look at. Maybe not seven million. Matt Boldy's pretty good. I think they're comparable players, though. I think you should look at it as a pretty yeah. good comparable. Yeah, it's somewhere in that ballpark. I don't know. A million here, half a million more. I don't know, like whatever, however you want to dice it up. Yeah, he's but, yeah, he's turn. a player you should try to get locked up. Yeah, him and Sider are both eight year. I'd look at eight year deals. Yep, seven eight year deals. Try to get as much much time as you can locked up at good numbers so you can be competitive. That's the timeline you should look at. Um, yeah, but yeah, too little, too late. And then this week, back to back, matinee game on Monday with Martin Luther King Day, um, which I forgot they do. I remember as a kid. Or not as a kid. We were in high school. The Red Wings played Montreal. And they won one nothing on a, a, a Monday matinee game for Martin Luther King Day. And it was Thomas Vanek scoring off his leg. Don't ask me how I remember that. I don't remember that. Because well, it was a really boring game. And I remember being super excited to watch it because I was home for some reason. And it went off of it just went off the inside of his leg. And that was the only goal scored in the game. Ugly. It was like 20, would have been 2017. So, yeah. Good stuff. Thomas Vanek, Red Wings legend. Favorite Red Wing. He's up there. He's up there for sure. Um, but yeah, six three loss to Colorado. And honestly, like you look at it a couple different ways. Two of those goals definitely should have counted, and you can kind of argue momentum from there or whatnot. But overall, if if we're not if we're including those, it could have been a lot worse. That score. Nathan uh, McKinnon was on one. Not could have, it should have been a lot worse. They took out. They took their foot off the gas. Colorado did. They were completely outclassed, like not even close. And I don't know if you see all the people talking about Colorado not making the playoffs. That's the dumbest. That's the dumbest shit to me. I don't care how far out of the playoffs they are. They are so star studded. Yeah, there's no other team star studded like them. And that nope. brings up so many questions for the Red Wings. Yeah, which we'll, get, which we'll get it. Which we'll get in. We'll get into. It's just when I look at Colorado and I watch Colorado, I have an enormous amount of questions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Nathan McKinnon made everyone look dumb this game. Again, we can look at the two goals. I mean, the first goal against Lekkinen scored on Huso. Uh, they called it because Huso was, in their eyes, out of the crease when contact was made by McKinnon. Uh, McKinnon, smartly enough, made himself in there. Like I don't, I don't think he did it on purpose, but like he definitely was there intentionally. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, he was. It was a veteran move. Got to respect. Yeah. You got to respect it. He made contact. Huso's back leg was touching. So I don't know if it's like a both feet need to be in or whatnot. But either way, like pretty subjective call. Like in terms of what is the rule, what isn't. Yeah. And with a new age, I feel like you're rooting for offense more so. So I guess it makes sense why they chose that. But uh, overall, I wasn't happy with it. But the other goal I shouldn't have counted, which I think was way more egregious, was the pick by McKinnon. Again, another veteran move, but he. Absolutely, like David Perron could have put a stick on Makar, and McKinnon ran right into him. 
Yeah. Bad. Bad. That's a direct direct result. That one. Okay. Sure, the Red Wings defense did not pick up Kale McCarr as he skated right through the slot and scored, but semantics. Yeah. I have a hard time with that one too, because you're just picking out a small granted it should have been called. Mm-hmm. It's a small thing that it happens in the game of hockey quite a bit where it does it goes uncalled because of small, right. like such a fast moving sport. They're gonna miss those. And most of the time they're not gonna result in a goal, but that one did. Yeah. My bigger worry about that play was that the best defenseman in the NHL walks into the slot wide open. Untouched, but, yeah. But I mean, hey. <laughs> it was guess... a tough night. And overall it was a tough day for Huso. Like I it definitely was not his best performance. I mean that that first Kale McCarr goal, you gotta have that one. Yeah. Gotta have that one. And again, maybe we're, we've been a little too easy on Huso, maybe. But I mean, you look at some of the other goals. It's just like, how are sp- we supposed to expect this? Like the first McKinnon goal, Larkin gets beat to the far post. Luke completely yeah. loses his assignment. That's his guy. And it was a butter pass from the corner. It was nice. Um, So it, overall, like, again, the Red Wings went down 5 nothing, which I think was something like Prashant Thayer put out. Uh, that the Reading was their their in twelve games was the fifth time going down by like four more goals. That's terrible. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah, that's very like it's not good at all. So, uh, and of course the Reading's like kind of show up for the third period, but again, I like I said, Colorado took off the foot off the gas. Cop scored at the end of the second, which a weird goal, and he had a bunch of time and then just shot it. Wasn't anything nice. Um. But then Cop like arguably like made him made himself even by playing with the puck in the top of the blue line with nobody behind him, and then Nathan McKinnon just is like, okay, thank you. Poor Magnus Helberg. Poor Magnus Helberg being the first shot on net, a clear cut Nathan McKinnon breakaway. That play, I was just in awe by what, like, what was Cop even remotely thinking? Like, you're not McDavid, and then. The fact that like McKinnon just it's just right there. That's just great. It'd have been one thing if he tried to like backhand it like down, like try to get it down to the corner or something, and like and McKinnon like grabbed it with like the puck up with his hand or something like that, or like hit his body. But like that was like just literally effortless puck off the stick. Yeah. So definitely a uh it was ugly. I mean uh Perron scored, which was neat. I'm trying to think who scored the third goal. Do I even remember? Oh, Sherratt. Yeah. That was a that was a pretty nice play. I'll give him that. That was a nice shot. That was a good shot by Sherratt. Uh, nice little face-off play. But uh, yeah, 6-3, and you're thinking, yeah, okay, Arizona going in, back-to-back, sure, but effort. This, this is a must-win game on paper, and obviously this happened last night, and they, were, they blew it. They blew it. They had it. They had it. For the third period team that we've been talking about, they did not show up in the third period. Well, the first the first five minutes they did, and then the rest of the third period they were nowhere to be found. Um, I did want to ask your like opinion on uh on Mullet Arena, like watching the game on TV. Like, what do you think? I loved it. Truthfully, the the camera angle is just awesome, and it's an easy watch. Yeah, I was telling you, I'm like, even though this game, there wasn't much going on in the game. Like, that was like one of the more fun games I've watched this year. Granted, the Red Wings had a shitty result, but I mean, just how fast it was because you're so yeah. you're so close. Yeah, it was a. I had I enjoyed enjoyed watching it quite a bit. But the Red Wings like had a pretty good start in this period, like in the game. The first two periods was all Red Wings. Shots, I think, after two periods was like thirty to eleven. I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, I mean, we can break down some of the goals, like. Larkin scored cider nice, nice little shot from cider the power play perfect nice redirect where you want to be um but you can really poke at like all three goals Halberg let against it's like eh, probably shouldn't be let in Bukestad one huge rebound and it's not that far you weren't going post to post it was like slot it was like middle of your crease to post and you got beat you need to be there you need to be there quicker it's yeah. a tough one the Travis Boyd one against that one was pretty bad. The third one I am a little more forgiving on. I hit the post and he overcommitted and then it slid it perfectly placed on Dylan Ganther's stick. Which how many times is that going to happen? 
Yeah. But still, again, no excuses. Uh, I I think two of those three, I'm I'm comfortable. Like, okay, you probably should have had that. Uh, but no, Fabry, like we we're talking about, nice play on the on the wall there to Suter as he was getting hit, and the Suter really patient, good finish, and then uh, really like really pretty passing play from the cop Peron and Rasmussen line. Really nice, play. like in a really good cycle, and then Rasmussen really patient in front, which is like. If we're gonna point like one thing about Michael Rasmussen's game is it's like his soft hands aren't like what he's known for. That yeah. was a really like really patient like soft pass, which was it was yeah. really cool to see. I was that was a sweet goal. And overtime, I mean, I know you want to say a couple things about overtime. I just I have such a problem starting in overtime with Andrew Cop and Michael Rasmussen. I understand. That you say, okay, this is my best face-off player, right? Let's say you want to start Michael Rasmussen because, okay, great, he's the best face-off player. Or I don't even know who started at center. I honestly don't. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Either way, if you want to start one of them, fine. Start someone that actually has wheels with them. Dylan Larkin should never not start an overtime on this current iteration of the Red Wings. On this current Red Wings team, yes. Unless he's because, hurt, or yeah. in the penalty box, those are the only two, only two options. Because I mean, I get it that they matched with Bukestad and Kraus, but granted, they win possession of the puck. How do you expect Rasmussen and Andrew Kopp to outmatch anybody with their speed and generate a takeaway, especially with the way they're playing? Yeah. The Red Wings are playing the most passive three and three overtime I've ever watched. Probably, they it's, take zero it's zero risks, which is like I know, like well, that's like Lalone's whole thing. But like in the question, like I don't know, three on three is like where you should be taking risks again. Like you need to take you need to take some chances to actually score. You have to take a risk. You can't just let them puck rag around you until you're dead beat tired. And then here comes Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz, who, in my opinion is more skilled than anybody on the Red Wings. Definitely. It's definitely up there. Clayton Keller, yes. I'm with you fully on Clayton Keller. I just think him and Schmaltz both have just very high talent, which I don't think really anyone on the Red Wings has, like, the full package like they do, like, talent-wise. I'm not saying they're smarter than everybody, but when it comes to pure talent, skating, putting together stick handling, Yeah, the two guys I think of are Berggren and Raymond. And they're not there yet. Raymond is the, the only guy I would put in there with like skating, stick handling, and shot. But they, he doesn't have the speed that Schmaltz and Keller have. Right. And he's like not quite there yet. But yes, Raymond is a skilled player. I just yeah. don't think like you don't want Rasmussen and Kopp, who have already been out there a minute, going against Keller and Schmaltz right off the bench, completely fresh. Yeah, like it's 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 hard to watch in overtime where you're not sending any pressure at all. Like you're just going to sit back and it's honestly like he's just hope the system in overtime. is just to hope for the best hope that yeah, they're not and, I, gonna... I, and I was like listening to his comments after the game. And this is like the one I'm like really scratching my head about. It's just like he's like, yeah, I thought we defended really well. Like, Is that is that really the objective in overtime to defend? Yeah. And so the, the, you make it sound like you're hoping just to like get away with like again you got the point but like you're just hoping to oh maybe we can get a break I don't know you need to like take and overtime I feel like needs to be taken to the other team you want to be the team that's ragging the puck you don't want to be ragged against and it seems yes. like he's completely fine getting ragged against yeah because all, all it takes is. all it takes is one mental slip up in coverage from a man on man perspective just to lead to an easy goal. Yep. There was one play I thought they were going to get scored on. It was a uh, Clayton Keller. Someone lost Clayton Keller, and they just missed the pass. Or no, it was Goss's bear. Someone tried to hit Goss's bear, and it was, he was like at the bottom of the circle, and he could have had an easy backhand move like to the net, but they just mm-hmm. missed him on, on on with the pass. So it was just like a like a just a little bit further away. What I did find very interesting though is Tyler Bertuzzi didn't see any ice in overtime. That's fine. I I have no problem with that right now. I don't Tyler either. Bertuzzi has been. Not good of late. I know he's coming off double wrist surgery, 
But there's just there's simple things in his game right now that he's just not doing well. Like that, his puck, his puck, nothing, manage, his, his puck management's poor. It's very poor right now, which has nothing to do with wrist surgery. Nope, I understand if you're going to whiff on a couple shots. I that does not bug me. That you you might whiff on a couple shots, which has happened as well. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not bugged by that. It happens. It's the entering the zone on a mid three on two and stopping at the blue line and losing control of the puck and it's a three on two the other way. It's yeah. the forcing a pass from behind the net without even looking to see if you have an option and it's a breakout pass the other way. That was the one I was going to bring up because that happened in that game. It's happened multiple times. He's done that numerous times since he's came back. My biggest gripe is him constantly stopping at the blue line on on a rush opportunity, whether it's three on two or three on three the other way. And he just stops and loses control of the puck because he's not the type of guy that's going to be able to stick handle himself out of something. And on the rush two on ones, he's trying to toe drag three on twos. He's trying to toe drag. It's getting tough to watch. Like this has nothing to do with his wrists. Yeah, no. And I guess it's kind of a perfect segue into like his future with the team i know the reports from david pegnota but i mean i guess again take that with a grain of salt because his reports are rarely like super accurate but he is with a reputable website so i guess you kind of have to like pay attention a little bit but bertuzzi's camp is reportedly open with resigning in detroit which with his current season like i can understand why because you haven't really established any value for yourself yep and right now, how I feel about Tyler Bertuzzi right now, if if that number is like over six, I'm I'm thinking like I'm I'm like ooh, I'm a little bit weary. Because again, if you really look at his like, he break down his seasons. Like he's been great at times, but he, dude's always hurt. Dude's always hurt. Like the only full seasons he's played with, and he was like twenty one. Yeah, there's there's no really, there's nothing tangible to look at and say, oh, this is Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah. Last year was the closest thing you had to it. But yeah, that was, it, that was flawed with injury. Uh, yeah, and his COVID situation because he he didn't he only played sixty eight games. He looked damn good, but he was really no no again. I'm a huge Tyler Ortizzi fan. I, he was really good last year. This year, it kind of looks like it was kind of an illusion. So far, because he's gotten looks, he's not burying, but he's also making I, weird. It's tough to call it an illusion thus far. It's early yet, and he's been in and out of the lineup with injury. It's, for me, the word that I'm going to use is skeptical right now. That's what I am. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's a full-on illusion right now. It's I'm, I like, the word you use, we, weary. I'm weary about signing a long-term deal for six-plus. A 28-year-old that's had back surgery and now two wrist surgeries within the past, basically, like, whatever, two calendar years. Mm-hmm. There's it's just some serious thinking should be done heading into the heading into the deadline. And I know the Red Wings are having their scouting meeting um, probably today as we're recording this in Vegas. So that is, like, amateur pro and, like, what you're looking at and as you prep for a deadline and making calls. He's 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 been a name that keeps being brought up, and I know like he's been a really good player when he's been healthy, when he's been around. And this year, it's kind of just uh, he's his rhythm has just been thrown on a whack. So I mean, that could just be simple as that. I don't know. He's not getting the reps and stuff like that in a whole new system. It can be a big change, but overall, I'm really like again, like you said, skeptical of like a contract extension. Not that I'm saying I really want him to be traded either, but. Because again, right now his value is who knows where. So that's a the risk you run is like you're selling low on a player, but then also if you're gonna keep the player and sign him that you think he's at the level at, you kind of have to take the chance in a contract, which is also just as big of a gamble. So it's kind of like whatever Eisman's kind of feeling right now, which I mean, with the current like how the current way it's trending right now, the Red Wings probably should be consider like should consider selling. players that they can yeah it's really interesting especially with the flat cap era yep flat cap era you're gonna struggle with making like 
a big move. And that's that's my biggest worry right now. You have two of your biggest name players right now are UFAs after this year. And yep. if you truly don't believe in that route with them, you kind of have to trade them to get value back. Yeah. It kind of goes into like the conversation you were kind of alluding to with like star talent and stuff like that. These guys have been playing on your top line for years now, but are they actual top line talent? I'd say Dylan Arkin, yes, but Tyler Bertuzzi, depending. Like right now, no. But they're not high, they're not elite top line talent as well. I, I just I have questions about that even. I mean Dylan Larkin's your captain, right? Yep. You look around at other NHL teams that are highly very successful teams. And if you look at their captains or their star forwards, their best forwards, where does Larkin sit amongst teams with with these forwards on their team? Like let's say let's bring up like Tampa Bay. Where would you rank Dylan Larkin in terms of forwards on that team? Fourth. Yep. Okay, Boston. Boston, probably fourth again. Yeah. Yeah. Again, Bergeron, like he's, I mean, he's still playing at elite level, but I understand. The Even like New Jersey, where would you put Dylan Larkin on New Jersey? He's like in the boat, same boat as like Heisher. Tied for third. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you're looking at scary to me. Yeah, it is. It is. And you don't have any other guys right now that are like even pushing for that in the Red Wings right now. That's their biggest biggest need right now. Successful teams right now. Like if you look at their lineups, Dylan Larkin's the fourth, third or fourth best player on that team. Like Boston, New Jersey, Toronto, Dallas. Yeah. Winnipeg, Vegas, the Rangers. I'd argue argue he's higher on Winnipeg and Vegas, but yeah, I get it. Okay, who's he? I I would say Kyle Connor. I would say Mark Shifley. I would then I would I'd hesitate on Shifley. And then Pierre Luc Dubois with the way he's been playing, he's I will I'll give you in in tight with Dubois. And I would say Ehlers when healthy, he's in tight with Ehlers and Shifley. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, again, he's Kyle Connor is definitely the best out of those, but I, I would throw Dylan Larkin in that mix as well. But when I look at teams in the top 10 right now, the only teams I see, like, well, even Carolina, like you have Patch Ready now, you have Sebastian Aho, you have Sveshnikov. I would say he's like right in the mix there, but that's they're a totally different team. Within yep. the top 10, like Seattle's the only team that doesn't he'd really the, have. He'd be the best player on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Other teams I look at, he's like third or fourth on the team. Yep. How I just, how do you feel about that? Is like, if you're taking this next step, how do you feel about him leading the way and leading the pack and being your franchise top line centerman? My thought is you need a couple more guys that you need that need to be in the same caliber. Okay. Like a Bo Horvat. Are you willing to give Dylan Larkin an eight by eight and a half, eight by nine contract considering his defensive woes that happen every so often? And then his streaky games that happen. Okay, I'm going to have a three point night against Columbus and then I'm going to take the night off against Boston. I think like with a better like I think like with a more balanced team, I think those nights would be less, but I get what you're saying. I anything like over nine I'm a little bit worry weary about, but like anything like within like the Rupe Hints contract, like eight by eight point five, like he's eight point four, but in that range I'm comfortable. I don't I don't hesitate at that point. But like when you get into the nine range, I'm like, okay, then we have to have a serious conversation here. And again, he's a pending UFA, and again, it kind of goes into our trade talk conversation of like, who would who's realistic to be on the team? I think Larkin gets done. I don't think that's uh, like, and again, yeah, the conversation that we're also like again this off season and and this season as a whole, like, was this too soon and whatnot? Like, were the moves this summer too soon? And I think a big part of these moves being done 
what could be considered too soon was for Dylan Larkin. Maybe. In the sense of like, here's a competitive team. You show me. And it also could go to your point too, is, is he's not to the level of these players and he didn't show management that with a better team that he could do it. That's another thing too. That's part of my issue right now. I mean, when you're losing these types of games to these types of teams, when you should be above this, you should be a middle tier team right now. I, w- I would confidently say, and I would say they're lower end right now. You should be middle tier yeah. to like bubble playoff right now. Yeah. With, over the past month they're they are a, a bottom. I would say the seventh best team in the Atlantic right now. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Ottawa's yeah. played a lot better. Ottawa's played better. In the Ottawa's past playing month. pretty good hockey right now. Yeah. And then you look and... at Montreal. Montreal struggled a lot, but they also have injury troubles. But um, like, and again, I love I love Dylan Larkin. He's I, nearly, I love Dylan Larkin too. He's nearly a point per game guy. But again, when you look at that, it's just like, what is that worth? You know what I mean? It's so weird because he's not like he's not the top end center where you're over a point per game and you're also like carrying the load and you can be really relied on to be like, all right, late game, you're gonna score. The Rodings don't have a guy on their team where you look at him and you're like, yeah, you can score at any minute. Like you're gonna no. score right now. Like Nathan McKinnon, when he had the puck the whole the whole Colorado game, like he's gonna score at some point. Jack yeah. Hughes, when he, he gets the puck, you're gonna score at some point. It's those this those high end centers. And again, you look at the draft this year, it's maybe positioning yourself well enough to have a shot another lottery ball is very much worth it. The thing is though, like when you look at like Tyler Bertuzzi, let's say you decide you're gonna trade away Tyler Bertuzzi. What does this mean for your team? Are you just like, okay, we're going to trade away one piece to get more stuff back because we don't believe in this player? Or does that mean that you want to get rid of more players of that age to kind of go back down for, like, let's say the Cider Raymond era? They're in a really weird spot right now where yeah, their talent, the talent level on the Detroit Red Wings at the ages from, like, 25 to, like, 29, like, they're quote-unquote possible possible core is mid oh it's extremely mid but then you look at like you look at the best performances this year it's been like it's been guys like like cider of late raymond of late bergren all year valeno this year soderblom in points he's been super exciting like those rasmussen are the guys that been, even in points Ras, rasmussen no rasmussen all year has been overperforming expectations i believe he's had a really good year i agree so like you look at those players and like they're proving they're overachieving, but like you look at you name any of the other players within the like within the age range you just made like twenty six to thirty, who has overperformed? Jake Wallman, literally, and he wasn't considered like a core piece at that point. I will throw Phil Peronica bone. Phil Peronica's been good. He's been he's overperformed for sure. But he's closer to the. He's just he's he's twenty five. So yeah, yeah, close. Larkin's twenty six right now, so you're kind of in the same boat there. I'd say Larkin's about he's last year he's on the same point pace. He's about the same as he was last year, I believe so. But again, I like, just I just don't think if if you're selling all these other guys off and deciding you want to go for the younger era and build around that, I don't think Larkin wants to be around for that. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but do you really think he's gonna waste another? Let's say it takes three or four years. Um, I don't think like it'd be that drastic of a change. The possibility would be is a possibility. There's a realistic possibility, but you look at like drafting, like let's say, like I'm not gonna over exaggerate. Top ten, you get another top ten piece, another center. Let's say, um, you're positioning yourself well. You have Casper pushing. You have guys like that. Raymond takes another step, hopefully in theory. And you try to position yourself for another decent offseason, like maybe trying to make moves again in free agency or or trade. Then in that sense, but if it depends what the situation of management wants to do. The way Steve Eisman positioned himself this past summer, I believe that their intention is to keep moving forward. Like they're gonna keep building to get to the playoffs, not not take step backs. You would think, but then it's gonna be really odd. That means that you're probably going to run a re-sign Larkin and Bertuzzi. 
I, I th- I'm, I'm just saying this whole system could be flawed because do you truly believe in Bertuzzi and Larkin as top line to top six players? Top six players, yes. Top line players, I'm I do question a little bit. Yeah. Especially That's... especially Bertuzzi. If Larkin had a really like another high end elite winger, I would be more confident in it. And then you also had a good supporting second line center. I would be I'm on board with that. Like a near caliber again, like I said, Bo Hartbat. I would be like, great, you're set. Like that's a pretty accommodating one two punch. Yeah. But uh no, I I again I hundred percent agree. Like the where the Red Wings are at, they lack they lack high end talent. Like they don't uh, have a guy that's on pace for over thirty goals. I'm just thinking to me, I think there's more of a chance. I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I'm saying there's more of a chance of Larkin getting traded than is being brought to the eye. I feel like I don't, I don't think it's, I think it's very unlikely Mm -hmm. or not very unlikely. I think it's unlikely, but I think there's still a possibility. And I think there's a reality that that could happen. And I'm not saying it would completely be management. I would say that I, just think a contract would be done by now if he was a hundred percent in Detroit and he wants to be in Detroit. I, I would yeah, say it's that a there's weird, part yeah. of him that possibly doesn't doesn't know about this whole winning thing here. Yeah, and that's uh and then you really have to start to question management then at that point if your players are starting to question like what is your plan? Yep. Because that's kind of on that that's kind of on them at that point then. Because if a player is like leaving, like, hey, I don't believe in direction, that's on that's on you. That's never a good thing. Like, it's one thing to be like, all right, money's off, like, cool, that's fine. Money, if money doesn't work, money doesn't work. But if you don't see this, if you're not on the same direct, I'm not saying this is the case, but in theory, if that was the reason that Larkin wanted to leave, that would be that's extremely like worrisome mm-hmm. from a front end front front end office perspective. But I think with this offseason, the whole reason, because I know there was a lot of discourse of like, was this offseason too soon and stuff like that. And I didn't want to phrase that question to you. With the signings of Cop, Sherratt, Huso, Perron, Kubelik, spending all that money, was it a year too soon? If he's looking at his, like I said before, Bertuzzi's and his Larkins, his Verana's as his core, no. You had to do something eventually and try to get like a winning, whether or not it's a playoff this year, a winning culture started. These guys haven't been a part of a winning culture. The the Bertuzzi's, the Larkin, in the NHL, they haven't. Yeah. Um, that is something you have to get them acclimated to and re- just feeling good about themselves. I mean, literally it just hasn't happened. Like, and so no, I don't think it was too soon. Do I think it possibly could come back to bite them? Yeah. Also, there's the question of me, like what if ownership was looking down and is trying to push the needle on them too? Like, Hey, yeah, it's definitely a, Definitely a possibility, but again, with Steve Eisman, I, I doubt that he's taken that shit from ownership. But again, I mean, you never know. Um, but no, I, I I'm I'm with you too. I know there's a lot of like in the discourse was kind of like it was when it happened when Nadelkovich was waived. By the way, Nadelkovich waived, cleared. Not super surprising considering that they greenlight Helberg to get new pads. Like you're not yeah. just gonna you're not gonna be like, hey, you can get new pads, but also you're on waivers. Pretty shitty thing to do. So Helberg will have some. He'll have a little bit of leeway to kind of run run a little bit a little runway excuse me not leeway yeah um but yeah i know there's a, a question mark saying again we question mark the charat contract we also question mark the, the cop as much excited as i was about cop like it was a risk five years five over five million dollars for a guy who hasn't really played center in his career and yeah. so far it's been a pretty mixed bag of results so there are definitely some moves and again no gm is perfect but again it was a weird like from 
Eisenman supporters being like all the way like just trust the Eiser plan to like he sucks as a GM he's overrated like why can't we just meet in the middle a little bit and she's like all right he's not perfect yeah but he's made he's made some choices that are probably could be questioned and then again like the Verona stuff too is just like with Mantha being scratched and then Verona being scratched in the AHL it's kind of a weird correlation there but again the Red Wings still got a great package out of that with a first round pick and a second round pick on t- attached so I don't I don't consider that like that was a fine move. That's great. I still consider that a great move. Yeah. Um. But yeah, again, the off season as a whole, and you still like besides Cop and Sherat, you still have all those contracts that you could move. Like the Perondi, I even threw him in. Like I like threw him in as like a guy who potentially can be moved, depending on what he wants. As an as a veteran guy, does he want to go on another Stanley Cup run? He's got a modified no trade clause, and he, and it'd be for a a team that's looking to keep contending, like even Colorado, for example, a guy who's locked up to less than $5 million for the next two years. You get two playoff runs with them. Uh, I don't know how the cap would work, but you know what I mean? They'd find something. They could find something. Vegas putting on, putting Mark Stone on LTIR. There you go. Literally. Goes back to Vegas. And that'd be worth a lot. I mean, that's two deadlines Detroit could bank out there. But again, I know they brought him in for leadership and stuff like that. So that is a concern and losing that. But in terms of establishing a culture and stuff like that, it's been, I think it's been better this year. Like it's been one of the things I've poked out. Like I, I do like it. But then again, you look at other things like the amount of bad starts this year. Um, And you look at goal. If you look at the stats from last year, it's pretty similar. My question is, how bad's the fall off? Like these next like couple weeks are going to be pretty damning. And I know yeah. Larkin made a bunch of comments about like, hey, we want to play, we want to play, so we're not moved at the deadline. Like, like as a team, he he, I'm paraphrasing, but so we we make decisions tougher come trade deadline. And so far, after those two games have been played since those comments, and they're they have not been good. So that did not has not aged well thus far. No, so. I am curious what really um, comes for the future for everyone there that could be moved. I mean, again, Verona is an interesting piece, but I think like guys like Mata is easy to move and Ernie at retained. I saw that um, uh, Arthur Staple, New York Rangers writer for the athletic, he listed Ernie as a possible target, which could make some sense. Yeah. Um, Sunquist, another guy. Guys like guys like that where you can get like a couple of like mid round picks or something like that. Like I feel like that would make sense. Even though Mata I've liked a lot. And you could I would wouldn't be against keeping him, but also you kind of look at it like if you look at the left side of the Red Wings defense, you already got Wallman who's outperformed him. And you have Schrott locked up. And you want to probably have room for Edmondson. Yeah. Leaving a tough decision. So yeah, definitely uh an interesting trade line. And I'm I'm definitely curious what comes out the next couple of weeks. Of performances, who's going to play well, and that's what I, that's what I'm looking for. Honestly, I'm looking for guys to step up. Like the young guys keep playing well. I mean, by all means, let's keep doing it. Yeah, let's keep doing sure. it. Like Valeno Berggren have been super fun to watch. I hope they keep getting more ice time. That's my my one hope. That's what I'm looking for. Um, I, kinda, I guess we can kind of like we went pretty long with that. We we mixed a couple topics in. So my list right now, I'm trying to like figure out where we're, we're kind of at. Um, I guess we can kind of go quickly, like mid midway through the season, and it's over midway point. Um, like I don't know if you want to go like grades or just kind of like quickly overview like to some players and like how we felt their performances are so far. That works. The second, the latter. Yeah. All right. So I guess we kind of touched on we touched on Larkin, Bertuzzi. I feel like we touched on Raymond too. So I guess kind of let's work our way down the lineup a little bit. How have you felt like a guy like Perron? We talked about him quickly, but how have you felt his impact has been? At the beginning, it was enormous. Beginning of the season, it was enormous. Uh, of late, it's like he hasn't been there. Yeah, the past like couple games, he's showed up like late in games and stuff like that. But like his body language is kind of concerning. I'm not gonna lie, he looks pissed off. Whether that be with his team or just the result of the game. I don't know. It's a little concerning to me being a yeah. veteran and being in situations like this. And you're supposed to be kind of helping the team, but I, again, I'm not putting, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth or like thoughts in his head of like what he's actually thinking, but 
Oh, on the ice, it, it's been looked a little weird, but no, overall, I've been pretty happy with his, like with his impact assistant captain. I've, I've liked his role. Um, Andrew cop. Mixed bag again. There's been some games where he's been just very reliable. There's been other games where he's made so many like just weird plays that I don't expect from him typically. And there's other games where he looks good offensively and defensively. I think his biggest need right now is a puck distributor. Playing with a guy who can get him the puck. And I think he looked his best with Berggren. Yeah. I'm going to be completely honest. Like you look, you think back into New York where he was really playing well. He had Panarin. I mean, I'm not saying Bergeron's Panarin, but a guy who was really like looking to pass and try to like open cop up for just plays. Now that cop is shooting a lot. That's my biggest thing with him. He doesn't shoot at all. Yeah. He's averaging like a little over a shot a game. That's ridiculous. Shoot the puck. It is. It's bad. He has four goals in the year, which is extremely disappointing. I liked his penalty kill game. He's been one of Detroit's better penalty killers, which is not saying much because penalty kill is pretty bad. Um, I've again, like you, I've liked a lot of, I like some, excuse me, some of his games and then other games. Beginning of the year, I was more so concerned. This past like 15, I think he's been more consistent, but it's not to the level where the Red Wings need him at realistically to be a competitive, like a super competitive team. So really curious to see what he comes out of, like what comes out of that. Um, Dominic Kubelik, another finishing up the forward acquisition acquisitions. What have you mm. thought of Kubelik? Another one where very impactful at the start of the year. Doesn't get the same blessings that Perron does in terms of usage. So it's I'm a little bit less on him as in criticism. And he's never the type of player that's going to make the impact Perron does because of the type of player he is. But he struggled a little bit in the last couple weeks here. Yeah, he's definitely gone. He gone. He's gone pretty cold. He's a streaky player. I think it's all about situation with him putting him in the right situation. As long as he's getting his power play cookies, I don't think it really matters where he's playing. Um, I've I've still liked his game. I still think he gives. He he tries. He's really putting in effort. He tries to be the first guy on the forecheck and stuff like that. He tries to get himself open for shooting chances. It's more so just getting the puck to him. Yeah. Um. I think he's. I mean, if looking at the, if we would have, if you would have looked at his point totals this year and like his play as a whole, like walking into the season, as soon as he signed that two point five million dollar deal for two years, I think we, I think we'd both be pretty happy. Oh, for sure. So I mean, in terms of value, what you're looking at, what we got, like I think, I think it's, I think it's there. Yeah, I agree. I think it's there. So I mean, I think that's a, it's a good move. Like I think he's lived up to expectations, which is, uh, that's all I can really ask for. He did overperform big time in the beginning of the year, but he was also playing top six, religiously power play one when it was clicking. But yeah, since then it's been a little bit of a mixed bag for sure. Um, Jonathan Bergeron. He's easily been probably like besides Jake Wallman, probably the best story this year. Very good. So far, yeah. Very tremendous. Good. Not much it's not much really else to add on to it. I mean, he's yeah. in thirty games, he had sixteen points, I think. So a little over a half point per game in your rookie year, pretty good. And considering also he was on in a fourth line role for a good part of that, yeah, and considerable production. Just about the most noticeable player out there. Shifting and shift out for the Red Wings offensively. Offensively, yeah, he's, a lot of nights. Yeah, it, it drives me nuts. I like more player like the system isn't worked around like a guy like him, where the sense of like how the puck in transition, how he gets into the zone and tries to like look for a play. Instead of just dumping and chasing every time. Yeah. Where he tries to like actually make his own entry and make a play. Which is, is something, yeah. I've loved them to like integrate that more with more players. But again, yeah. Um, I've liked that I like that last game they put him on power play one. That was me fun. too. He had a full length, like full across ice saucer pass to Raymond that Raymond was like not ready for. Yeah. That was pretty that was incredible. But no, Bergeron's been super fun. And, and you look at it, like I, I expected him to be called up at some point this year, but I wasn't expecting like this much runway. And like they told and according to Valley Sports, they told him to get a, a get a place down in Detroit. Good. Which is I mean, I it shouldn't be surprising to anyone at this point, but um definitely a very encouraging for the future. 
yeah. when you looked at it, like you weren't really sure. I, I, I can confidently say like he has the upside of being a top six guy. He does. As Easily. long as you keep, yeah. As long as they keep putting him in the right situation this year. And again, you look at it from the point of like this season as a whole, like futures and stuff like that. Try to like for positives, like people listening out there, look to like guys like him and the guy we'll get into next, um, their performances and try to build off that. Like, Hey, like they, they had a good shift there. Let's look for that. Keep that up. Like Joe Valeno again, like last year, there were points last year where we felt we called him garbage time, Joe, because that's when he'd get his opportunity and he'd actually like do something with it. And he yeah. has gotten more runway. He's like his ice time's a little bit up, but again, he's still kind of been sheltered in the fourth line for the most part. But he's really impressed me. Me as well. He's been one of my favorite players to watch this year. Um, he brings it every night, whether or not those nights are great in his game. He's always physical and moving his feet, which I'm always a fan of if you're not going to bring it offensively with puck touches and do the best things with the puck. If you're moving your feet and using your body and forechecking hard, I will have a decent appreciation for what you're doing. But there's only been a couple games where I've been like, okay, he's off tonight. During the time he's been cruising and playing with lots of confidence, which is great to see for a guy like him. Again, similar to Bergen, he's also a guy that actually carries the puck into the zone. Yep. And actually tries to do something. Again, Valeno sometimes gets burnt. Like, he'll sometimes get it poked off his stick, and he's a little more risky with it. He's not as good at it as Bergen, but I appreciate he tries. I would love, like, like my ideal lineup would have Valeno on the second or third line center spot and getting him, like, with with, with a Bergen and, like, maybe a Perron or something or something something along those lines, a Bertuzzi even where you're trying to like get the puck a little more in more offensive situations. And then you have Pew Suter that slots down um, yeah. or even Rob, Robbie Fabry, even another guy you could look at, but um, even cop. I'd like to keep cop at center. Honestly, I like, I like, I, I actually, yeah, that's actually a good point too. If you look at it that way, but then you'd have to move Rasmussen up to into the center spot. Oh, I wasn't talking about bumping him from center. I thought you were talking about like down a line. Oh yeah. I mean that too. Yeah, I, I mean, like, second or third line, whatever whatever you want to call it, Valeno Cop, whatever you gotcha. want to call it. Again, I, I've been calling it all year the middle six. So however yeah. you want to, like, the, the ice line will be equal. It is almost the middle nine. Truth yeah, k- kind of. Kind of. Um, but no, Valeno's been a promising player. And I'm kind of just going to, like, I, I preface, I'm trying to just, I'm going to go through players that have played most of the season. It's so, like guys like, I mean, we talked about Bertuzzi, but, like, Fabry is kind of, like, a hard one to judge. He's only played a couple games. Zadina is another one. Verona, of course. Um, so I'm trying to just stick to guys like, and then I can kind of kind of lump. I want to lump all these guys together because it's not it's not as exciting, and we're kind of short on time. Kind of finish. We'll try to quickly cruise some names, but like Sunquist, Ernie, Suter, um, Sunquist, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's just, I was trying to figure. It. I was trying to remember if I was forgetting anyone. How do you feel about those guys? They've had their games. They've all had their goods and bad games. I wouldn't really I would kind of rope them all into the same tier to be honest with you. I mean if you like, looked at scratches and stuff like that, they have been. Yeah. I wouldn't say I prefer one over the other, to be honest with you. Suter because he plays center. Just about. <laughs> That's about it. That's about it. I mean Sunquist is early on in the season he was a good he's a good story. But recently he's kind of been Meh. And I know the scratch on against Colorado was kind of like Lalone alluded to that he was dealing with something, but also he was a scratch, so it was kind of a weird cryptic thing. So yeah. maybe he is dealing with something again, but again, he's always dealing with something. So that's yeah, just sure. that's just the player you have to expect. Ernie, I've 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 liked it moments, but again, it's kind of like it's kind of a meme at this point. He he goes very fast around the net and then tries to throw it in front and then it just goes the other way. <laughs> so I like um, his effort. It's just I do, not, I do, yeah. It's not there. Like it's kind of the thing I was talking about with Joe. He brings it every night and he's physical. Where Ernie you, just you, doesn't have the offensive upside that Joe Valeno has. You do earn some brownie points with me for at least trying to do something out there. I'd sure. I hey I I'd I'd rather Ernie on a bad night than Sunquist on a bad night. Yep. Yep. I'm with you on that one. 
uh, defensively, which is kind of uh, honestly, the Red Wings defense has been decent this year. I, I not team defense, no, but like the defensive core as a whole, I've been pretty happy with. I know the hot name right now is Rip on Ishrod. And he definitely has his woes, but like overall, I still think he brings value to the team. I don't hate it. I don't. I haven't hated his game. There's definitely games where I'm like, "Woof, that's bad." Especially the which one it was the um, it was a Columbus game, I believe, that he was particularly bad. Yeah, I uh, he struggled a little bit. I mean, it's kind of what we thought going into the season, though. That was a pretty risky contract. And it's not that he's been terrible. It's just he's he's had his moments. Yeah, I was sorry. I was just looking. Uh, Verona just scored his first goal in the HL. Yeah, I saw that. Nice little, nice little move there. So I mean, good for him. Hopefully, I can start something. I saw he switched to black tape, which was interesting. He hasn't used black tape since he was using Washington. So that was that's kind of noteworthy to me as a tape nerd i suppose but um yeah Schrott. i think he's brought again elements i've liked his physicality he does i think he allows players to play a little bit bigger in the sense of he's like he will stand up for guys i mean he fought ryan reeves which i mean he was definitely outclassed in the fight but like at least he did it yeah which i mean your best option in like last year was adam ernie which isn't definitely like not ideal definitely not um so i'm glad i'm glad he does do that and i think Again, he kind of like sneaky good shot from the point. It's just like his, sometimes his reads gets crazy. And the current defensive system that the Red Wings play has been burning them big time because they play man to man. And Schrott loves to like finish the check. And then it's when he loses players. Yeah. So, which inherently their system they're running with Schrott, it, it increases risk. Like that's why, like, you'll see him at the point sometimes. I know people tweet, like, why is Schrott at the point? Well, that was his guy. But yep. the issue is he goes to finish the hit, and then the guy gets back in the play before he does, which leads to odd man rushes, guys not covering guys, and then losing, and then some guy tries to overcommit, and then another guy's open, which is the whole issue with man on man. But whatever, I I, I see its pros and cons. Um, but overall, I, I'm I'm okay, I'm whelmed to say the least. Not sounding any horns yet, but again, end of the year, I could be different. Um, Mo Sider. Very, um, very good of late. Slowest start offensively and not the best defensively. But also, I just don't think him and Schrott were much of a jail because they play. He likes to run around a little bit, too. And Schrott likes to run around a lot of it. Yeah. It's a little bit difficult. Yeah, definitely. I that was That's my thing. Like with Jake Wallman, it seems like Jake Wallman's is more predictable. And I loved that clip during the Toronto game that Jack Hahn clipped of that that regroup and it's in the middle of the ice, where Sider did like a no look back to Wallman and then and he like looped up and it was almost like a wide receiver running a route. Yeah, and then Wallman just hit him and they had a zone entry, which was really nice. Um, definitely the past like I'd say like fifteen games, Sider has looked normal. Where like earlier it was like one out of every three games, I'm like oh there's Sider, and then. He'd kind of go back. It was almost like he was trying to do too much because it wasn't going his way early on in the season, and now he's kind of settled in. Yeah, which can happen. Second year adjustment. I'm again. I'm still so happy with Cider. Uh, again, not really huge concern. We talked about Wallman. We waxed wax poetic about him. We kind of touched on Heronic, but again, overall, I've been super. The guy we were kind of clamoring to trade last year isn't so much in that conversation anymore. Yeah, he's been he's been a top four defenseman. Yeah, I agree. And even with Sherrod, I mean, I was looking at, I was writing an article prior to these last two games. So I mean, I'm sure maybe the stats stopped being so positive. But in terms of like expected goals for percentage, uh, Sherrod and Horonic led the, have led all Detroit pairings in terms of yeah, positive, positive impact. Not something I would have expected going into the season for sure, especially because I said I did not want to see them together. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that that's the big one for me. I was like, oh, wow. You know, but uh, I'm happy. with Hornick was definitely, he's cooled off a little bit, but I still think he's been good. Yeah. Still been good. I guess we can kind of clump the last couple guys together. Uh, Osterley, Mata. Um, I've liked Mata a lot. I think he's brought a lot of values. He's been a good 
five, number five, number four, and some nights. Um, Osterly, I've I think he's still a solid six. Maybe he's a fine six. Of, fine six, good seven. And Lindstrom's I a good nine, decent ten, or yeah, decent nine, good ten. Yeah, that game, I, I again the Arizona game to like look back to. The, he was terrible. Every time he's, he touches the puck, I'm so nervous. Yeah, I just don't have much confidence in him as an NHL defenseman. And Hag got activated. Hag got activated this week, and I'm really curious to see what decisions made there when like Zadina comes back. Yeah. So definitely an interesting little idea there of who could get waived. Uh, goaltending quickly to kind of finish up. It's been uh, Huso beginning of the year. Full confident in Huso. But now it's kind of been it's been past like a couple weeks as the team's kind of sputtered. So is he. Yeah. So it's kind of like what, what came first, chicken or the egg? Yeah, he's you know, uh, yeah. Not great as of late, but no, I'm still I'm still confident in his like him finding his game though. Me too. The way he plays. My biggest flaw with Huso is like his rebound control. Sometimes drives me nuts. Yeah. Other than that, he's always in position. And he's looking to make a save. Helberg, Ned, kind of in the same boat. They haven't played too much. Um, uh, I I was really happy for Ned because he was doing really well in the AHL, and I thought he was going to get like a chance on this road trip, just to, like keep it going. But then they ultimately decided to waive him. Um, I do like that they're going to give a guy a little bit of runway instead of running the three system. But I'm hoping just one guy sticks. If Helberg doesn't work out, then I hope they give Ned a chance again. Yeah, agreed. Which I think was happened. But like any other thoughts, like on like one of those two guys, not really. No. Not really. Cool. Um, yeah, I think that's about it for this episode. Um, yeah, uh, make sure if you're looking to sign up to watch games this year, use ESPN Plus, uh, insidetherink.com slash ESPN. Uh, we both use it. Watch how to market games for um, your local team, like whatever, like obviously me being in the East Coast or Granton, Wisconsin. Uh, Red Wings, we can watch the Red Wings, so it's really nice. Um, yeah, be sure to sign up using that link. I'll do it for this one. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.